0: What is up? What is going on everybody? This week we are talking about the stupidest premise that led to one of the greatest successes of action movie beauty in the 90s. You won't want to miss a thing on this episode of the threequel. welcome back everyone to another new episode of threequel as always I'm one of your three co-hosts Ethan Klein here with me Brad Miller and Mike Duranic gentlemen how are we doing this evening
1: doing great uh, it's probably kind of a letdown after watching this last night but uh, um, I guess if that didn't come through last night was more exciting than than talking about it um, so yeah can't can't live up to last night but doing good well, i got to be honest, Ethan. I'm a little disturbed.
2: Um, earlier today, I was talking with Brad, and he said some things about how he stays awake just to watch you dreaming and sleeping. <laughs> he watched you. He watched you smile while you were sleeping, far away and dreaming. I don't even remember exactly what he said, but it was really disturbing. So, um, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe don't crash at Brad's house anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, du- duly noted. Duly noted. That you know. Well-
1: Mike knows that he would watch me do that because he wouldn't want to miss a thing.
0: <laughs> no, that's okay. Fair enough.
1: You know, As many, uh,
0: amazing ways as we can talk about, uh, that song and as many jokes as we can make. If I only have one complaint about this movie, I'll get it out of the way early. It will be the fact that till the day I die, I will always feel uncomfortable knowing that Steven Tyler is singing a love song while his daughter is getting boned on screen. But let's get that out of the way. We'll just have some fun. Gentlemen, we're talking Armageddon. Uh, as Mike said off-air, uh, the excitement that I had when Brad just sent us into this rewatch for this week's episode uh, was palpable, uh, at least on my end. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite action movies, uh, but I, I will try to contain myself a- a- and talk about it. Uh, not too much at length and at the appropriate times, I'm already getting ahead of myself because I haven't even asked you guys the question I'm supposed to ask. And that is, what what was the first way you experienced Armageddon? Was it in the theaters all the way back July 1st, 1998? Did you catch it later on TV, VHS, DVD, whatever, what have you, what was uh, your first interaction with this film? And then what did you bring into this rewatch for this week's episode?
1: Um, I know it's another boring answer, but I honestly don't remember. Um, this movie is old enough that uh, um, I, I can't think back that far. I, I imagine I probably saw it in the theater, but I don't really recall. Um, I will say two, and I don't know if you guys noticed it or were going to talk about it, but when they panned out from that scene of uh, New York City and the, uh, one of the trade towers was uh, burning, you know, like I thought that was... Uh, I kind of was like, oh, kind of cringy moment there seeing that. Um, But again, shows the age of this film. And uh, um, I don't recall bringing, you asked what we brought into it. Uh, I remember the overarching theme of the movie, but I didn't remember a lot of the details. There was a lot that was uh, a surprise to me because I have not seen this in a long time. Uh, So, yeah, I, I didn't bring much other than just knowing the premise of the film.
2: Um, I would I mean, I can't remember it clearly, Um, probably not like you can the first time you watched Ethan, but I will guarantee I saw this in the theaters. It would have been right in that wheelhouse. Um, So I don't need to remember it to know I saw it in the theaters. I owned it on VHS. Um, I'm sure I haven't seen it as many times as you, but uh, being a Michael Bay fan in the 90s and uh, being of the right age for this target audience, I certainly uh, watched this movie more than my fair share of time. So what did I bring into the rewatch? Um, I brought into the rewatch a a hypothesis, which I'm now going to test um, when uh, we're, we're done at some point, which is, I, I've always believed that this movie, that Deep Impact was by far the better movie, but this movie was infinitely more rewatchable. And so now I've rewatched this, so I'm going to at some point have to make time to watch Deep Impact again and just really test that that thesis that one is by far the better movie, but the other is infinitely more rewatchable. So that's what I brought into this was watching it through that lens.
0: I mean, I think Michael Bay has made an entire career out of I'm not going to make a good movie. I'm going to see if I can make a rewatchable movie. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. My first experience with this as a kid, I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly how old I was. I mean, if this came out in 98, I mean, I would assume it's probably 2000. It was this is the first DVD box I can remember holding in my hand. Um, and I believe it was my grandmother's. I don't even think it was my parents. It, it was at my grandparents' house in the summer. She had this DVD. And I mean, we joke about Red Eye, right? And I don't, I don't want to burst Brad's bubble here, but you know, ha- at times have I been hyperbolic when I've said how many times I've watched certain movies? Probably. Is Red Eye one of them? Probably. I know with certainty this movie soars far past 25 times because I can say, so let's say 2000, that gives me 22. I know I've at least watched it once a year. And this year alone, this is my third time I've watched it. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh this it's just always been just for so many different reasons i mean as a kid as a five-year-old what doesn't this movie have i mean it's so freaking awesome and then just in terms of action there's you know the humor in it that still hits with me the nostalgia of it all that i love this movie dating back to just holding that box i'm staring at it right now i always have imdb pulled up that poster i think that's a great freaking poster with bruce willis Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler, so that'll just always be burned in my memory, but let's get into uh, our Rotten Tomatoes game, because I want to do that, I want to get that out of the way, so we can just start having a conversation. Um, I believe, yes, Mike cheated once again, so it's Mike versus Brad this week. Um, So, Mike, go ahead, tell us what the sitting score is for Armageddon, and and then we can go on about the show.
2: Well... My cheating strategy this week is I'm going to take the 98 of the 1998 that this movie was released in. I'm going to say that this movie was nearly a perfect 98 um, because it worked for Apollo 13 last week. But instead, I'm going to divide it by two. There we go. Okay. (laughs) And I'm going to go with a solid 49 for this, Brad. So you can take the over the under on the 49. (laughs)
1: Uh, well, I was going to go pretty low, but I'm not going to go that low. So I'm going to hammer the over, but, uh, for sake of the game, I'm going to say 50. Well, gentlemen,
0: I think we have a new record. Mike didn't cheat this week. We'll get that out of the way. I think we have a new record, um, on, on the show. Uh, the audience score for this one is 73. So if we played this for the audience score, Brad would have won the game. The critics had a slightly different opinion, and that's where I think the record comes in. I don't know if we've seen a discrepancy quite like this. 38%. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Even when <laughs> I'm wrong, I win.
0: Is the critic score on this one. Um, their consensus is that it's lovely to look at, but about as intelligent as the asteroid that serves as its antagonist uh not yeah. no love lost uh in the critics consensus so 38 percent. and i think i mean we'll start i'm gonna ask you guys is rotten tomatoes right or wrong i think where this conversation begins is we're gonna go back to a conversation we've had plenty of times on this show i think this is going to be a glaring example of what were they grading this movie against because mike you even said, maybe the impact and just quality of filmmaking I've seen deep impact once I remember it I have no doubt that you're right in that you know just beat for beat it's probably a more quality film and maybe that's what they're grading it against but so I guess I'll just ask you guys the question is Rotten Tomatoes right you know where my answer is going to be but I think you guys also can already start to see why my answer will be that but where are you guys at 38% are the critics correct on this one?
1: Uh, probably unpopular answer in this group, but I'm going to say yes. Um, enjoyable film. I, I I know, I remember now why I haven't seen it in probably 20 years. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it's not that great of a movie. Like they're saying that the intelligence of it is... Uh, is pretty low um there was a lot of michael bay eye rolls for me last night when i was re-watching um what i enjoyed about it was some of the humor some of the nostalgia some of the uh oh yeah they used to make movies like this sort of feel um because you just don't see a lot of uh, uh movies like this this to me is similar to like you know like a con air or rock or you know something like that um and it, again, very entertaining. I'll probably watch it again in my life, but, uh, there were a couple times I started to get a little drowsy because it kind of drug on, um, you know, moments on that, uh, on that asteroid were a little bit, uh, uh, I, I guess I don't know how to quite describe what I was seeing or, or, or feeling, but just not, um, not the quality, I guess, that they could have been. It wasn't until they got back on the, on the uh, I don't know, rocket, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, the guy pulled the gun on him and they were arguing about that. Like that part was really good to me. But the, the whole drilling thing and how, you know, they were at 87 feet. And then next thing you know, um, after a couple minutes, they're like at 800, but they didn't have any of the same problems. You know, it was just, I don't know, a lot of stuff in there that, that drug on to me. My my favorite parts, and we'll get into some of it with, with scenes later, is more of the, you know, the gathering of the group, getting to know these guys, um, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, overall, I guess I'm going to say yes. For me, this was a middle-of-the-pack film of what we've watched, um, but the reason it was middle-of-the-pack, again, is simply for the nostalgia and um, the relationship that we have with some of these actors over the years, and it's fun to just watch some of them on the screen, so... Um, yeah, overall, I'd say they're more, more right than wrong with that, with that number.
2: Uh, you know, Ethan, you already alluded to this, but I'm, I'm torn on this. If we're grading this film against some of the best films that we have watched in terms of filmmaking, quality of acting, quality of script, um, clearly the critics are more right than wrong. If we're grading it against similar action flicks from the 90s, I mean, I, I obviously, no surprise to anyone who's listened to these podcasts would take The Rock any day of the week and twice on Sunday over Armageddon. But I'd probably put Armageddon right on that con air tier. They both are stupid, stupid plots with great ensemble casts that have not great writing, but somehow still deliver and make it entertaining. I, I enjoyed rewatching this movie. And so what are we grading here? Are we grading the technical achievement of the movie? Well, if so probably not great. Are we grading the reliability or the believability of the plot? Well, if so, probably not great. Um, But I tend to to think that when we're looking at a movie, you've got to grade it in the sense of what it intended to be and what it tried to accomplish. And I think that this movie accomplished what it intended to accomplish. It didn't want to be a big think piece on what this would do. I mean, I, I saw a line somewhere as I was reading about this that I really loved that said something to the effect of Michael Bay must hate physics the same way he loves blowing things up. I mean, the entirety of this plot is ludicrous. So if you want to actually think about it, well, everything about this is wrong. But then I also read in, you know, interview with Ben Affleck, where he said that like on set, he said, uh, so wait, but why are we just taking drillers into outer space? Wouldn't it like in real life be easier to just teach astronauts how to drill? And Michael Bay basically told him to shut the F up. And that ended that conversation. So clearly his goal wasn't to make this realistic. And so on that grade, I'm going to say the audience was more right than the critics, but I would probably have this myself if I was grading it on a one to a hundred scale, 55 or 60, somewhere in that range, it wouldn't be much higher than that.
0: Yeah, uh, of course. I'm going to say the critics are wrong and I'm going to say that they're, they're grading it on the wrong scale. And for me, it's just, this is where Michael Bay. And I, I mean, I will say maybe I'm wrong because there's a few of his movies that hit this, This is where I think Michael Bay kind of falls ass backward into his style working out into a great movie. And the reason I say ass backward is because why is The Rock great? The Rock isn't great because of what, in my opinion, Michael Bay's style. That makes it fun. What makes The Rock great is that Ed Harris turned in one of the best performances of his career. And Sean Connery is electric and Nick Cage is Nick Cage, right? The reason that this movie for me, there's plenty of dumb function movies I like. You guys mentioned Con Air, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds, any of the stuff from that era. I come back to this so often because I love Bruce Willis in this movie. I love how he leads that cast. Will Patton as Chick. I do love Ben Affleck. Billy Bob Thornton. Michael Clark Duncan's hilarious. it's these guys that are just putting on these performance. and you know, good perform. I Bruce Willis. We've never accused Bruce Willis of being the best actor in the world. He's got a couple of really dramatic moments in this movie that I think still work. Maybe you guys disagree, but him saying goodbye to Liv Tyler at the end, I still to now whatever. If this is the thirtieth time I've seen this movie, teared up again two nights ago when I watched it because there's a ton of emotion in that, and he still brings it every time. So it's just those. The times that Michael Bay has succeeded the most for me, we talked about 13 hours on this podcast too. John Krasinski, I think, is great. It's when someone turns in a great performance that goes a little bit above his style. His very next movie that came out after this is Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. Nobody turns in something with good style, and that is a movie that I cannot rewatch. There's about a good hour in that three-hour movie. But So when his style takes over the performance, it's not good. I think this is the reverse. The style is still there for the fun but it's that stuff in between that keeps me coming back again and again and again. So I'm curious, you know, this is, we've talked about a lot of people in this movie before we talked about Billy Bob with monsters ball. We've talked about Ben Affleck a couple of different times. Um, and I don't think I like, I asked you guys this question last week and I think it's a question I might keep coming back to. I know that it's not even close for some of the other people, but I am curious with Bruce Willis because I think there could be an argument to be made, even though I have a feeling I know you guys will end up going, but, You can only pick one Bruce Willis movie to watch ever again. What Bruce Willis movie are you picking?
1: Mike, if you know your answer, go for it. I'm going to have to think about this just a little bit.
2: I do without looking and I'll pull up his filmography here and and I will come back around if I'm wrong, but I, off the top of my head immediately went Pulp Fiction. No questions asked.
0: Okay. I,
1: I mean, that's where I was leaning when I first, uh, when I first thought about it, um, it's probably Pulp Fiction just for the quality of the movie. Um, you know, obviously Die Hard would be up there. Um, I like some of his, his things like, uh, you know, red and, uh, and different things like that. But, um, yeah, I, I would probably say Pulp Fiction as well. Mine is this.
0: I, I mean, I will give up Die Hard to keep enjoying this movie again. I guess I'm curious when I say that I think that this movie actually does have good performances. Do you guys just think I'm crazy and that's the nostalgic of me watching this movie a lot? Or where were you guys at on? I know it's weird to talk about the acting in a Michael Bay film, but I do contend that this is some of the best performances in a Michael Bay film.
2: Yeah. Well, so there's, there's no Ed Harris performance in this one. Um, yeah, right. Not. And I, I think that you raise a good point as to why the rock then is on a a, top, uh, a higher tier, but I do believe uh, that your central idea there is right. Um, most of the actors in this, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Affleck in this. I think that Ben was still not sure what he was or who he was at this point uh, in his career, definitely some better stuff later and certainly Goodwill hunting prior, but um Separate from him, I mean, I enjoyed Billy Bob Thornton's role. Buscemi was great. Um, you know, I, all of the supporting characters kind of in, in that oil rig group delivered for me outside of uh, Ben Affleck, the guy who played the, the crazy uh, Russian. I enjoyed him. So I do think that the, the casting was strong and most of the, the, the ensemble cast delivered. Um, I, I don't necessarily... Uh, I would say that Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck would be the two that I say didn't really move the needle much for me, which probably is what makes me say that I'd put this more in that 55-60 range where maybe you'd go higher. If you did really resonate with um, Ben Affleck's character, then that would probably tip that entire side story up above and make this a little bit more of a uh, valid movie for you.
1: Uh, I mean, to answer your question, I i mean, I, I think we can all agree and we've mentioned it, there wasn't that, you know, performance where you're just going to hang your hat on this. Um, Ethan, I, I'm going to go with a little, probably a bit of another unpopular opinion. I don't, I, I did not get emotional during the live Tyler, Bruce Willis, goodbye scene last night, because honestly, like, I don't think he brought it. Um, I I don't know how old his sisters or his sister, his daughter is supposed to be in the, in this film, but putting myself in his shoes like I I don't think I would be able to be as composed as he was um, saying goodbye to my daughter for the last time you know um, basically you know I would guess that she's supposed to be in her early 20s um, and you know he she's just now really out of childhood and becoming a woman and he's not going to get to see the, the rest of her life or live any of those experiences with her and I know, you know, the argument could be made well he's trying to be strong, he's trying to be, you know, stoic because he doesn't want it to be harder for her, but honestly like in that moment and, and I don't know Mike's feelings on this, I know he's got a daughter as well, but like I I can't imagine being as composed as he was. I can't Im- it just didn't feel real to me in that moment. There was no um I I, I don't know. Something was lacking in it, and I can't put my finger on what it was. And I think uh, Bruce Willis stood out because, again, there weren't any really quality performances. I think he was able to just be a, uh, you know, kind of that deadpan, hard-ass kind of guy that's not going to take any crap from anybody, but he didn't have to show a lot of range. He got really mad at Ben Affleck a couple times, but outside of that... um, You know, he was just playing a a tough dude sticking up for his his guys. And I don't know that he really had to stretch himself much um, in it. So I don't know that I agree about his performance. I enjoy it. He's fun to watch and 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 probably is the the best in the film for me other than maybe Buscemi. But um, it uh, yeah, there's just there was something lacking in it last night um, after, you know, watching it when I was younger I I definitely got emotional in that, you know, you you see that. But now knowing what it feels like to have a daughter, my daughter is, you know, uh, the oldest of of anyone in this group. Obviously, Ethan, you don't have children, but like she's not that many years away from a very similar age to this. And I can't imagine saying goodbye like that and what it would look like. So I guess that's just kind of what I want to touch on there. But for me, I'll give a, a tie between him and Buscemi for my favorite performances in this.
0: For, for reference, she Liv Tyler was 21 when the movie got made, so you were right on there. I, I, I always took it as, like, just out of college age, too, so right around there, 21, 22, 23. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think part of it, too, I, I mean, there's a theme to, like, what can easily get me emotional in movies, just, like, parents being proud of their kids, and I think it starts with the scene with Ben Affleck. I appreciate that, like he never we we can tell through the toughness how much he cares about him especially in the scene like when the russian space station's blowing up because he's not going to go until he's safe but like ben affleck's character doesn't get to see that honestly never thought we'd have this nuanced of a conversation about the performances in a michael bay movie but i'm here for it um but him you know pulling the oxygen tank and you know, you were always my son. I love you. Like go take it like yeah. that, that. That's now, what started. That
1: was a much, that was a much like, better scene. That was a better acted scene for me that's,
0: for sure. That's what gets me started. And I think it all just kind of rolls together.
1: But you know what it is okay. about that scene though? It's Ben Affleck's facial reaction without saying a word when, when uh, he's talking to him and he does this little thing with his face and that's what gets it because that's what feels real. That looked real that, you know, and, that scene much better. Um, That's what was missing from the scene with, you know, when, when she's saying, I don't blame you for my mom leaving. And I'm proud of the person you are. And like all that stuff, like his reaction to what she was saying was lacking, you know, like if, if, if your daughter's saying that to you and it's the last time you're going to talk, like, I mean, you're weeping uncontrollably. Like, I, I I don't know. I mean, you could say tough guy, rough neck, maybe, you know, that's that's why. But there was just a little bit of something lacking. It looks like Mike might have a, a thought there.
2: Well, you said something that made me reconsider what I said about Ben Affleck and that as soon as you started describing that scene, that he he does a really good job in that scene. And so maybe I am grading him on too hard of a curve. But then it made me think. Is Liv Tyler a good actress? And so, like. Maybe that entire scene works better if you have an actress who is playing the daughter who's emotional because most of her stuff felt like lines she was supposed to deliver and not like a daughter delivering them to the dad. Because even if the dad is, like you said, roughneck, doesn't know how to express his emotions, and even in his last moments can't really express his emotions, I think that plays better if you've got a daughter who is expressing genuine emotion But even like the, you know, daddy don't go daddy thing at the end, it just feels like they wrote the script and she read it to me. So uh, maybe that's the issue with that scene. But I tend to, as with most things, I'm falling in the middle between the two of you guys here. I, I think that that stuff is fairly well done. What actually gets me more than the scene with Affleck or the goodbye to Liv Tyler is as he is pushing the button, like the life flashing before his eyes and seeing her grow up in front of his eyes. That's always the one out of those three that kind of chokes me up. Um, But I do think that her limitations in acting probably drags that scene down more than anything.
0: I'm curious because five-year-old Ethan, seeing this for the very first time, I know you guys don't exactly remember where you were the first time, but the way that played out, drawing the straws, and it's Ben Affleck, and he takes him down of course, as a five-year-old, I was like, you know, heart in my stomach, shocked that he pulled the oxygen tank and put like, I doubt you guys were being, you know, older and actually being able to kind of see the writing on the wall. But do you remember that being like, oh God, this is what's going to happen now. He's going to die. Or was it kind of like once it was someone has to go, it was just obvious.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious to me that as the leader, he, the the entire time, you know, it's going to somehow end up being him. Um, it just had to be in whatever way he could, could manufacture it or maneuver it. And, and it was perfect the way they did it. It was, you know, the, the right choice, the right call. And obviously leading to one of the, the best scenes in the film there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think I ever thought that anyone else was, was going to go. Um, it's pretty inevitable that, uh, um, ben affleck was going to make it back to live tyler before bruce willis was so um yeah no surprise for me
2: i i never for a minute thought that uh, affleck was going to go but i think the surprise was i still kind of figured there was going to be some miracle that they pulled out and look everybody was okay because they'd already killed so many people that it that that's kind of i think where as i reflect back where my mind initially went so when he pulled the oxygen, it was like, oh, okay, so they're, they are going to have somebody else die. It's, it's just going to be Bruce. But I never for a minute bought that it was going to be Affleck.
0: Uh, we'll hop into favorite scene. I'll just ask real quick, since we're talking about Michael Bay, we've surprisingly talked about him a lot on this podcast. Mike, I know you'll always pick The Rock 10 times out of 10, 12 times out of 10. Um, Brad, I know you didn't enjoy it as much as we did, me and The Rock is this do you have this better than the rock is this maybe like you think this is the best michael bay movie mike i guess you is do you think this could be the second best like what are you guys just in his little filmography
1: um i'm gonna pull up my rankings here i think that i ranked this higher than the rock um but after kind of talking about this and rethinking that a little bit, I, I think I would have to change that. I I enjoy the rock a little bit more than this. Um, again, it's a theme with me, but the whole outside of interstellar, um, and I mean the quality of Apollo 13, like the whole space thing sort of gets to me a little bit. The, the part, the non-reality part of them landing on this, uh, um, asteroid whatever you know and somehow defying all space travel traveling through space gravity all of that stuff um there was just not much worry about any of that especially with you know uh, i know they said they had thrusters and things but you just don't see the you don't see the use of those, so they're just kind of hanging out on this floating rock in space, and it just, I don't know, it loses a lot of appeal for me, and you don't really get that with the rock, so um, going back, I think that I've disrespected the rock a little bit, probably out of spite for how much you guys love it, and I think I treated this a little better than I should have, so I I think they're going to end up pretty close to each other, but I like the rock a little more.
2: I'm sure I've asked you this before, Ethan, when you brought up this question, um, but Am I misremembering that the island wasn't a terrible movie? Because it's been it, a long time since I've seen it.
0: It's fine. I think. I mean, that's kind of where I've always been at. It's fine. I'd put it middle tier.
2: So, for him. yeah. I mean, I had. I guess here's what I would say. I've obviously got the rock a lot higher. I have this one on our rankings, uh, slightly higher than Thirteen Hours. Okay. So, out of the ones we've watched, it would be my second. Um, so I guess we've also watched Bad Boys, and clearly it's higher than, <laughs> higher than that. So it's it's second out of the four Michael Bay movies we've watched thus far. I did not see Ambulance yet, although I know you said that it was pretty solid. And so I would probably say that this would be my number two Michael Bay, pending a re- uh, rewatch of the uh, the Island and pro- pending a watch of Ambulance.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think that the Island would top it for you. Ambulance could. Um, it's definitely more realistic than this. If that's where you're going to get hung up on, and we all know how much I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, let's do favorite scene, guys from Armageddon. Uh, where are you going to go? As I was watching this, I ended up being curious if we would have a clean sweep. Uh, so we'll see. I know Brad's actually alluded to this scene a couple times already, but w- w- where are you guys going to head for favorite scene?
1: Um. Well, my answer changing because when we first talked about it, I was just going to go through the whole part where Bruce Willis says, my men have to join me or, or I'm not doing this. And then they start calling them. They start gathering them up, you know, chasing them down, which is really weird that the amount of helicopters used and the amount of running that these guys do for to get away from whatever's happening is is kind of strange. How many times they went to that well? Um, but I really enjoy that culminating with the, uh, and they never want to pay taxes ever again, you know, like that, that whole thing was going to be my answer, but I, I really do think now I'm, I'm going to go to the Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck scene, um, where, you know, he pulls the, he pulls the oxygen and, and they have that whole back and forth. Um, that's going to be my, my answer to it.
2: Yeah, I think that that's got to be the best scene. And Brad, really, you nailed uh, the only one that I would give consideration to uh, the recruitment scene um, beyond that. So I think that's a a one and a two for me as well. Ethan?
0: Well, okay, I was dead wrong. We do not have a clean sweep. Uh, Mine is 100 percent the scene when the the government decides they're going to set the nuke off before they drill the hole. Mm. I think that is just the most exciting scene of the movie. Um, I think greatest use PG-13 movies get to drop an F-bomb one time. Greatest use of the single F-bomb ever. Billy Bob just breaking out the full drama. Um, At least it was really cool to me when I was a kid. Um, But And Bruce Willis, the, the conversation he has with William Fichtner, so horribly written, so cheesy. Good God, I love every second of it. Just the seriousness of you know, I've never missed my depth, and I swear to God, I'll hit 800 feet. All that, love that, all the way down to cutting the core, the the wires, and Steve Buscemi. Please do a good job. Please do a good job. Please do. A good. I love, I love that. I honestly, I think that's the only scene in the whole movie where Liv Tyler actually acts well. She just gets to yell at the general for a couple seconds, and then they literally drag her off screen. They should have done that more often in this film. Um, but that's that's my favorite. That just that whole interaction and. First of all, as I alluded to it last week, you know, Houston, you have a problem. Uh all that. So that that's where I'll go. Uh any lines, gentlemen? I don't know if there's any well, lines that
1: before we get into lines. To answer your question from earlier, Mike, Liv Tyler, no, I don't believe, is a good actress. However, she did do the angry scenes in this film very well. Um, at the beginning when she's yelling at her dad to stop shooting him, and oh, yeah. um yeah. however many times she tackled uh Billy Bob and everyone else that was was trying to blow up her family you know like those scenes were really well done by her where she lacks is the the intimate scenes with Ben Affleck and the emotional scenes of you know the single tear and the hand on the screen just yeah that would not be um where I think most kids would go in that scenario. So those, those were, were definitely not well acted, but I think she did the angry scenes very well. Um, So a little bit of a shout out to her there, but um, lines, I mean, there's a lot of fun lines in this. I don't know that any of them really stood out. Um, The, I enjoy when uh, Steve Buscemi's uh, thinking about being a genius and, you know, 20, and and doing all this stuff like that that was pretty funny to me and uh whatever i can't remember exactly what he yells whatever michael clark duncan yells when uh they're chasing after him in the helicopter or something like come get papa bear yeah come get papa bear you know like like crap like that kind of stood out but it's just it's cheesy nothing nothing real special um but i'm sure you guys and so i'm interested in hearing them
2: Mine's not that quality, but it has been one that since I watched this in the late 90s has always made me laugh, and it still made me laugh this time. Um, and It's, uh, you know, uh, Lev Andropov, right? Our, our Russian cosmonaut. Uh, it's stuck, yes, and then the, the astronaut says, back off, you don't have the components, and he says, components. American components, Russian components, all made in Taiwan. <laughs> I've always appreciated that one, so I'm going with that for a favorite line.
0: Uh, that is good. I think almost anything Rockhound says uh, is up there for me. Him when they're about to go back because Bruce Willis. You know, like of course you gotta wait till the final second for him to blow it, and he's getting pissed. It's like we're staying, we're going, we're staying, we're going. Make up your minds. I had a good spot picked out. Um, but I my the one that's just always made me laugh the most is um when Bruce Willis asks for what their contingency plan is, and just his sheer frustration. Like they they almost wrote in like we know how stupid this movie is. Uh and he's just like this is the best that you you're nasa you're geniuses you just got people in a room thinking shit up and then you got more people behind them thinking up the shit they're thinking up this is the best you can do and billy bob you know that's why you get an academy award winning actor just so he can plainly say yeah (laughs) and just the look on his face that's absolutely my favorite you just got guys thinking shit up um but yeah i mean not not any quotes that are gonna change our lives on this week gentlemen but maybe a movie that did back when i was five years old and that's why we do this so we can relive those moments that was our conversation of armageddon we hope you guys enjoyed uh, the rewatch maybe just half as much as i did um and then you had a pretty good tuesday wednesday night whenever you decided to rewatch this uh next week we're shifting gears we're coming back down to earth uh we're going very very dramatic we are doing a time to kill We're reaching way back in the filmography of Matthew McConaughey, Uh, you know, courtroom drama. We haven't done a ton of courtroom dramas on this podcast. Uh, They're pretty niche, but when done right, uh, they, they can be something pretty amazing. Was that one done right? We will find out next week when we talk about it. This week was Armageddon. Thank you so much for listening and for the support. Other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.